and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Malignant, and I am happy to be joined for the second straight week by Daniel Lima to talk about this one because, I mean, at the end of last week's podcast, I had just uh, kind of been like, oh, Daniel will be back at some point in the fall, but then, I don't know, Daniel inspiration struck Daniel in the form of a certain form of tumor, I would say. Daniel, how's it going? Oh, it's going going beautifully it's going beautifully you know why it's going beautifully why is that malignant that's why it's going beautifully <laughs> yeah i'll say right off the top uh you should just sign off now if you don't want this movie spoiled for you and you should just see it i'm not going to guarantee that you will like it but i'll guarantee that you are you will you will be glad unless you're just like an absolute no horror type of person that's more power to you if that's your thing but otherwise like go see this movie even if you don't like it you're going to be glad you saw it so you can talk about it and it's very hard to talk about, though, without talking about, like, the ending and uh, how that informs the rest of the movie. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. I think uh, Daniel already made it clear. He really he really is fond of this movie. And uh, and, and I liked it, too. But I, I, I just think that, like, it's, it's one where it's like you're better off going in knowing as little as possible. Is that true, Daniel? Absolutely true. Um, in fact, I would say that uh, I, I, I got to thank whoever made the ad campaign because – this movie was not at all what I expected in more ways than just the ending. Sure. Uh, I, yeah, I actually don't even know if I'd seen a trailer. I I feel like I'd heard Daniel make mention it might be something you might be interested in. I'd seen a couple other things here and there online, but then Daniel said, we have to do it. He was very adamant. I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go make time for this one, and I'm glad I did. So uh, that being said, uh, jump off now if you haven't seen it but had plans to, and then come back and listen to us talk about it. Malignant is the newest movie from James, uh, director James Wan. It is written by Kella Cooper. Uh, it's a story by James Wan and another person named Ingrid Bisu in addition to Cooper. James Wan you might know from uh, doing a lot of different movies. He got the Saw franchise off the ground, Insidious, The Conjuring, uh, more recently did Aquaman. So this is kind of his first – like his return to horror because he hadn't directed a movie since Aquaman. And it had been three years since Aquaman came out. So uh, his return to the genre uh, – Malignant starts out in 1993. We meet a Dr. Florence Weaver who is working in a spooky hospital of sorts on a hill along with a couple of different colleagues, Victor Fields and John Gregory. They are treating a psychiatric patient named Gabriel who has powers that include being able to like control electricity and broadcast his thoughts over radio. Uh, one night, Gabriel turns violent, kills several members of his staff of the staff of the hospital. Uh, 28 years later, we are in present day. There's uh, Madison. She's pregnant. She lives in Seattle in a, a house that is uh, seems to have been like uh, just perfectly constructed just to be a horror movie house. Uh, she uh, she has a husband who is kind of abusive, clearly not a very good guy. Uh, as she comes home one day and he's just gets abusive with her and throws her up against the wall. She bangs her head and is bleeding, locks him out of her room. Later that night, some kind of strange presence comes, murders her husband, knocks Madison unconscious, and throughout the movie, that uh, mysterious presence seems to be haunting uh, not only Madison, but also the doctors that we met at the beginning of the movie, who uh, we come to learn ran some kind of you know hospital that specialized in treating younger, troubled kids. Uh, Daniel, I know you said this movie wasn't at all what you expected, but, uh, and I already made reference to the fact that, like, uh, the ending really, uh, I mean, look, I mean, the whole movie has its, uh, has, has its, I was about to say charms. <laughs> it has its own. Uh, it has it. Ha, it has all of its uh, uh, different kind 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 of horror beats that have maybe been informed by different types of movies that came before it. Some of 
what you have reference points for more so than me because I'm just I my horror watching is very limited past uh, prior to the last decade. But, you know, I I would say this I was getting kind of like I was unnerved by this movie. I'm someone that, you know, I'm not like I said, I'm not a big horror guy, though. It's not because it's like, oh, I don't like being scared. It's more just like the traditional kind of jump scares. They just don't do it for me as a viewing experience. And I would say for large swaths of this movie leading up to a very, very uh, crazy final act, I wasn't necessarily getting jump scares, but I was very unnerved. I thought James Wan was doing a really good job of just, you know, doing his James Wan thing and making you making you squirm more than he made you jump. And that was the way he shot that house and the way this uh, Gabriel is kind of uh, portrayed to us throughout and uh, just how he creates a certain kind of uh, world. And I but at the same time, I was getting kind of tired of it. And I was like, this feels repetitive. I don't know where this is going. I don't know how this is going to resolve in a way that will feel satisfying to me. And holy hell, did it resolve in a way that felt satisfying to me. So I want to ask you, because you said you were just like, it kind of threw you off, like, or not threw you off, but it it, 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 it surprised you throughout. So I want to know, were you enjoying this movie through the first two thirds? And if so, like, how did how did your feeling about this movie change as we hit the final act? Well, to begin with, I'll admit here, I'm not a huge fan of James Wan. Okay. Uh, I've seen, I'm looking at my letterbox right now, six of his movies. I've seen six of them, and the only one that I like is Aquaman. Uh, I'm not a fan of Insidious. Uh, I'm not a fan of the Conjuring series. I have yet to see Saw. Uh, I, I, I've only like, seen the first Saw. I watched it before the this thing came out a couple months ago with Chris Rock, and I and I thought it was good for what it was for for, what, for the, whatever that's worth. Okay, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm just not a huge fan of his work. I saw the trailer for this, and it seemed like a like you know an old school like throwback to like a haunted house sort of thing there seemed to be a slasher component and it just seemed like he was going to make like a straight down the middle solid studio backed horror movie which we don't get too too much of these days most of the most of the time like you know you get uh either something that's very very low budget um or uh you know like an a24 thing which is not my cup of tea at all but you know i was i was actually kind of excited for this movie going in and my expectation for a straight down the middle like old-fashioned spooky movie um was immediately thrown by the opening it, first off the logos for the uh the studios show up in like this kind of vhs tape sort of aesthetic right um it opens up with this wild opening uh in a in the hospital like in a flashback um where like you know things are getting thrown around and you know things are chaotic and they're trying to take down this 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 child i guess called gabriel and you get like a little glimpse at something horrific and like you don't really know what's going on and then it goes into this you know very intense high octane like credit sequence opening credit sequence all of which immediately told me that oh this is not what i thought i was getting is not at all what i'm getting this is going to be a throwback to the 80s 90s grimy like uh direct-to-video horror movies that really are like my personal favorite it's uh, gonna be a throwback to like you know stuff like the suckling or uh basket case or you know rawhead rex uh demon wind um these are you know titles that most people aren't familiar with unless they are really into horror 
And, uh, you know, it seemed to me that that was what he was going for. And the rest of the movie did kind of, you know, prove that to be true. Everything from, you know, how the characters talked. Uh, you, you know, like, I remember there was a scene where, um, uh, I'm sorry, what was the name of the lead protagonist? Maddie. Where there was a scene where Maddie, I promise to you, it's a good movie. I, the fact that I forgot her name, not a, not an issue. Maddie is talking to her sister and reveals to her that she was adopted. And it's done in the most, you know, like like heavy-handed <laughs> dialogue, info dump, exposition dump uh, way. And normally that would be a sign of a, you know... Well, a then like a super crazy, like serious score kicks in, like being yes, adopted exactly. the is score like the is worst also, thing you can say. Score, the score also is a callback to like those sorts of 80s and 90s horror movies. Um, and, it, you know, it kicks into high gear right after she says, you know... I I was adopted, and then like you know, and and uh, it, it, in another in another film under with an, in somebody else's hands, I would get the sense that oh, this isn't this is just a goofy like they don't really know what they're doing. They're just riffing off of movies that what they think they have to do in a horror movie. But I don't know. Here it seems there's a sophistication and a care to it that makes it clear that it was intentional. I think that actually goes into just how James Wan shoots this movie and other movies including stuff like aquaman you know very mobile camera work he's always doing something in order to like uh, uh keep you on edge i remember there's a there's a certain scene where she's getting scared in the house alone and instead of like a normal like the camera chasing after her we get an over the head like as if we're looking down on the foundation of the house yeah that really stood out to me too. Yeah. of her going through the entire house it's like that's the kind of inspiration uh just cool because like tracking shots have become very commonplace and it was cool that he found a different way to do one exactly uh, it was actually very impressive and you know it's that sort of ingenuity that made it clear to me that uh that this was going to be something like everything here is going to be intentional all the little awkwardness and you know the somewhat uh haggard uh narrative which you know uh bounces after the opening and after all this stuff happens and the uh the husband dies it then becomes like a pretty much a slasher uh in fact i would say i say slasher it's very much influenced by giallo you've got the mask giallo i'm sorry i should clarify are you familiar with giallo no giallo is a term for this specific kind of italian thriller uh that popped up in the late 60s going on uh, it died out in like the late 70s ish, but you know you still get examples past that. Um, and the elements included like you know a very uh, large cast of individuals, any of whom could be the killer. Uh, the killer was often masked and you know gloved and you know with a with a with a nice little uniform. I just watched one the other day where like he wore like a cape. You know, yeah, it, that, that's exactly what we got going on here, too. Yeah, exactly. And like, uh, you know, you have like a protagonist who's trying to piece things together, usually outside of the police. Um, it'll be a reporter of some kind or someone who's being terrorized by this specter as they kill off the people around them. Uh, there's a, there, you know, the, and clearly that is what is happening here. That's exactly what starts going on. But even though it, it shared all these elements with like this specific type of horror you work kind of familiar with it seems like you were still into it because of the different flourishes james wan used in telling his story absolutely it's 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 an inspired way to approach this material you don't know how many of these fucking movies i've seen man <laughs> i've seen a lot of horror movies and uh, you know you can always tell when you've got 
uh, you're in the right hands because they make these sorts of flourishes to keep things interesting. I've seen a lot of even this the Italian giallo, and it's tough to you know distinguish one from another you know a year after the fact because so many of them kind of blend in together. And that wasn't the case. That's not the case here. This is clearly a movie with a distinct verve and uh, and personality. Well, so that, that okay. So all that being said, you've seen so many of the different things that this is probably drawing from. Uh, and sometimes when someone it can be is that informed by any genre when watching a movie, they kind of have the, every they kind of see every beat. Did did you have some idea of where you thought this was going, and did it catch you off guard, or did you kind of predict it, but you were just like so impressed by the way they pulled it off that it all worked for you anyway? <laughs> well. Um, I guess, I guess, I guess now we just got a barrel into the ending, don't we? I already said um, we're spoiling it. So you can get yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. We can, we can work our way back, but like, that's the most important part. It really is. Um, and you know, normally that, that would be, uh, an indictment to say that like, oh, well, it doesn't become really good. It doesn't really become good until the ending. But here I promise to y'all it is not, uh, <laughs> It just so happens that it just becomes something absolutely brilliant in the end. So, um, as I said, like, you know, the midsection of the movie is pretty much a giallo slasher, uh, you know, with, you know, people dying left and right. Um, the our protagonist- well, actually, let, me, let me ask you before I even talk about that ending. Sorry to cut you off, but like I, I mean, in theory, people could have still listened and not had something spoiled. So the one other thing I want to ask you before you go into that ending is, is another tenet of those of those of these giallo movies that the that the killer is very deliberate. How do you mean? I mean, that was what I kind of meant where I was like, I didn't really know how they were going to like, you know, uh, wrap this up in a way that like made a lot of what came before it make sense. And so much there's like some of these kill scenes with Gabriel were very, very drawn out in a way where like, yeah, we don't exactly know what the nature of Gabriel is at that point, but he's taking his sweet time, you know, opening this door, opening that door, uh, going around the room as opposed to just like going in for a kill and getting out. feels like he's like kind of going for it in like a, you know, just a way to like, I, I, maybe that's just like, you just got to kind of accept you're watching a movie. So they're going to want to create more opportunities for scares. But like, I started thinking of it practically. It's like, that doesn't seem like the most efficient way to kill someone. And I didn't know if like those kind of kill scenes that like kind of went on for, you know, three extra minutes just to give you guys a, just to give the audience a few extra shivers. If that's just like, that's actually kind of like a trait that these movies share, or that's just like a, just any kind of, that's something you have to accept. You're going to get in any kind of horror movie. Cause that, yeah, this, that's just something, that's just something in horror movies, man. You know, yeah. why doesn't the ghost immediately kill the family? Why does it terrorize them? Because that's, it's a horror movie. What are you going to do? And that's true in slashers also. Fair, uh, enough. Fair enough. It just either in like the fair Italian enough. I will say that actually this is kind of a, I would say that it, I, I could I, I could say that this is somewhat pronounced in a um, in an Italian giallo. Granted, there it tends to be less because of like a personal less. There's less of a narrative justification for it in like a giallo. I watched um, a Slaughter Hotel. Uh, just yesterday, which I think it's like cold-blooded beast in Italian. And, um, you know, you've got like the killer prowling around these hallway, this hallways of this sanitarium. It's not, it doesn't take place in a hotel. Not sure why it has that title. Um, and, you know, you get like multiple scenes of just this prowler lurking around. He goes up to the bed, he pulls out the knife and then he stops and he lowers it. And then he stares at the woman on the bed 
and then she wakes up and then he keeps staring at her. like you know it's very prolonged that that is in keeping with the style of an italian giallo yes i got you well before we actually like really spoiled it for the people that stuck with us anyway i i, I was kind of curious because i wanted to at least uh, talk about how you felt those scenes were executed beyond the, like the because i agreed it was like the the tracking shot was really cool and a lot of its use of music was very cool but i i was just curious like the actual kills themselves up until we really learn more about gabriel i was curious what you thought because i certainly picked up on a lot of different interesting visual things that seemed unique to me as someone that just doesn't watch a ton of horror but i wanted to like kind of see how you thought that worked for you knowing what you knew about gabriel at that point so there's an interesting conceit here, uh, which actually is taken from another film from the 70s, a sort of American version of Giallo uh, called The Eyes of Laura Mars, um, which starred, I think, Faye Dunaway and uh, I think Billy Tommy Lee Jones and Tommy Lee Jones, oh. um, in which uh, a photographer, she ends up getting kind of clairvoyant. She starts seeing through the eyes of a killer. And that's kind of what happens here. Uh, uh, Maddie starts seeing our you know robed figure killing these people one by one and she you know tries to figure out what's exactly going on and you know especially because the police now suspect her of a, very much in keeping with that film which honestly i'm not a huge fan of that one but um here you know like it, instead of like just you know a standard kind of pov shot um he takes his time you know building up a, a genuine set piece you get this really cool uh, effect where like the world melts away and she can do nothing but watch as this figure goes and does the deed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lots of, you know, gore, which, you know, for me personally, I know that a lot of uh, critics and a lot of people who aren't into horror, you know, look down on excessive use of gore. But for me personally, I can't relate to like, I don't know, a ghost like coming out of the shadows and like clapping its hands or something like that. I can't relate to that really. Um, I can relate to the feeling of pain. So whenever, so honestly, gore does tend to affect me a lot more than like the uh, dread that, um, you know, you get in like a art house sort of horror movie. And here it's used effectively. Um, the killer is, you know, very uh, visually distinct the way it moves even uh I'm, i wasn't sure what was going on with how it moved it something seemed a little off uh something seemed very off as if it was being puppeteered marionetted um and you know it was very distinct the way it moved uh there's a wonderful little chase scene uh toward the back end of the movie where you know you get to see him move in full you know at full speed and it's just very disconcerting almost body horror and yeah the visual element of these kills it is it does stand out from uh what inspires it yeah yeah i guess i got I, I guess i mean again and this is a i guess a tempered criticism because again their ultimate revelation kind of answers a lot of what i a lot of what my my what i was questioning as i was watching but i was like okay like i'm sure there's gonna be some kind of explanation for like what the nature of this gabriel thing is and why we see it one second while we don't see it the next it goes in and out of the shadows and like there we just saw so many of the a similar style of kill that i'm like all right, like I get it. These people are really dead, but like, what what is this thing's deal? So, I my only thing was like, I thought they were each effective in the way they wanted to be effective, and I respected that. But like, as I was watching it up until the last third of the movie, I was just like, oh man, like I I'm just I I feel like this thing might just be like 
a, a Groundhog Day. I, no, I don't know. It just felt like it felt like I was like seeing the same thing over and over again. And I thought the explanation we got that for, for that was ultimately satisfying and surprising. So uh, before I cut you off five minutes ago, I want to go back to any other. If you remember even the point you were making before, I kind of made you like break down these other kills. I'm curious. I mean, as you were watching all this, did you have some theory in your head, or did did you feel like you knew where it was going, or did the movie kind of keep you surprised at every turn? Well, before I answer that, going back yeah. just yeah, a yeah. moment uh, to answer what you just said, you know, I I would say that horror in particular is a genre that is that uh, rewards expressionism. Um, I think that you know I understand. Um, the thought process of like, okay, well, what really is going on? Like, because we can see him sometimes and we can't. Um, I've, I've had this kind of conversation with a lot of people about, you know, especially particularly about horror. And, you know, I, I honestly think that it's just one of those things where like people overthink it a little bit. Um, these movies are ultimately about people dying in horrible ways. And, you know, that's a very, that can be a very rote kind of premise to go off of. At the end of the day, it's just going to be people dying one by one. So any sort of visionary aspect, any sort of visual aspect that kind of changes things up a little bit, that is its own reward when you watch a horror movie. It's, it's like a little it's a little like a wine. You know, you want you got to learn to appreciate you got to learn to appreciate the differences between one slasher and another. And that's the element that like kind of makes it distinguishable. But all right. So. I forgot where I was getting, where I was going with the the five minutes. Well, I'm, I mean, I think that was kind. Of, well, whatever. I think I think what you said was kind of an answer to my my one little criticism, but I, which is fine. I I guess I've maybe seen a couple examples of horror movies in the last couple of years where like the the kills felt a little more varied and it it didn't it just it didn't feel like it was hitting all the same beats. But again. I don't hold that against Malignant all that much. It's just a thought I was having that was like leaving me perplexed until the movie kind of answered enough, my question. And, and it is, and this is, is this is this is a more process driven than than more than like a Friday the Thirteenth where uh, you know the kills are why you're there. This is very much a process driven movie, which is you know a trait shared by a lot of the giallo that it's riffing off of. I don't know. Did it surprise you though? Did the ending surprise me? So, like I said, like I knew that. What, hold on i'm trying i'm trying to think how should i phrase this my bad man so for you know most of this middle so of I, the- I i i don't want to make it sound like it's a bad thing if it didn't because i i read a couple reviews myself that was like kind of predictable but still pretty incredible in its execution right 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 the, uh, actually my friend who i saw it with who is also a big horror fan um had the same impression he was like this is enjoyable enough but like it doesn't really do anything doesn't reinvent the wheel or anything so it's i don't know that it's going to really pull it off in the end and boy boy did it so um for me i was actually quite enjoying the movie up until that point i thought that it was you know doing a good job ripping off of like the kind of grimy low budget horror movies of the 80s 90s and like the 70s giallo um uh but you know like yeah it was solid but like nothing nothing truly truly remarkable in the grand scheme of things but then we get to the ending so uh, the sister, as the, um, you know, the uh, Maddie has been locked up because, you know, so much evidence has been found uh, on her person. And, you know, the circumstances around, you know, all these cases, we find out that she has a sort of connection to them. Uh, she kidnapped a woman that turns out to be her biological mother. She kidnaps a woman that turns out to be her biological mother. Or, 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 the, or I should I should say at, at the time, all we know is that this woman that we thought Gabriel kidnapped ends up in Maddie's attic yeah she falls through the attic in a wonderful scene wonderful scene 
And so she's in police custody. The sister has taken it upon herself to try to clear the name. She goes and starts investigating Maddie's uh, roots. Um, we've gotten a bit of a glimpse of it in a truly disconcerting uh, little video clip earlier. Um, you know, the uh, where she's on the phone. As, like We get like a home video of her before uh, the birth of her sister, uh, her adopted sister. When she's eight years old, talking to on the phone to like an imaginary friend, pleading with him to not hurt the baby. It's truly very uh, disturbing uh, with, you know, no gore at all. Genuinely a great little. Anyways, the sister starts investigating her origins and it comes comes to find out that Gabriel, who at this point had been assumed to be some sort of you know, uh, imaginary figure, maybe a supernatural presence plaguing her. We don't really know the. It turns out that Gabriel is a parasitic twin that had been growing out her back um, when she was born. Uh, that's why she had been given up by her mother to this research facility. And it can, for some reason, uh, increase her strength until she's like a superhero uh for some reason it can absorb electricity and broadcast its thoughts over radio waves uh and i i I, this is not an original point i'm making i heard it on the grierson leech podcast but uh gabriel's awfully lucky that he just happened to come across a lot of people using radios in the year of 2021 right exactly i remember (laughs) seeing i remember seeing there was a little shot uh in the middle of the movie where uh just before like one of the horror sequences kicks off um Maddie is doing laundry and she she's playing music on a radio. And in my head, I was like, why is she playing music on a radio? <laughs> why, why is she, why is she not using Spotify? You know, but it's one of those things. It's, it's a cool, it's a cool conceit. It adds very little to the movie uh, beyond just the cool factor. And uh, it makes very little sense. Why is it that a parasitic twin can absorb electricity? You know what? It's not supposed to make sense because this is where I leaned over to my to my friend. I was like, oh, shit, they're doing basket case. Uh, well, this and I, cool. well, I also had the thought I was like, wait, did I miss something where they gave an explanation for why he has these powers? And I kind of read up. I was like, I guess not. And I, it really didn't bother me that much in the moment. I just like was thinking about it. I was like, oh, I must have just like missed something where one of the scientists said something. But I don't no, actually think that no, was no, the no, case. No, 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 because you know what? Who cares? Um, this yeah, is exactly. ripping off a very particular kind of uh, body horror, uh, like a, a basket case in which um, a young man, you know, like has his deformed brother that he keeps in a basket and uh, they're going out for vengeance against the doctors who separated them. Uh, then uh, Brain Damage, a movie which I'm not going to lie, I don't remember seeing, but I did. About a, a guy who, uh, bec- who you know, has like a evil disembodied brain that controls him or something. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I don't remember it at all. But it is riffing very specifically off this kind of very very grimy uh, '80s body horror, and then it goes full throttle into like horror action with a genuinely beautiful action set piece where uh, Maddie breaks out of the 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 most depraved drunk tank in the world uh in which she was in there for five minutes a biker chick and uh like a like a, a pam greer from the 70s um i don't know if she so just, much broke out of there as she as, as as much as she uh just i don't know 
broke everything in it first. I mean, yeah, she like they, you know, she tears up the drunk take and then she goes on a rampage to this police station. Uh, would you say slash- this movie is would you say this movie is the third best action movie you've seen this year after like or has the third best action you've seen this year after Nobody and Shang-Chi? You know what? A part of me wants to put it above Shang-Chi. A part of me does just because of the impact. Like, I don't know that another horror movie, I mean, another movie uh, had an action set piece that affected me quite this much. Yeah. Um, you know, she's she's, you know, uh, we, we get the first off the reveal of the uh, the remnants of the twin being torn out the back of her skull. Uh, and then you get the, uh, you know, you you know, you get an answer to like why this figure was moving so weirdly because he's controlling her, but like he can only see out the back of her head, and so she's kind of like and has to turn all the limbs the other direction. Exactly, and it's just really, really disturbing to watch. Uh, it moves in a very disturbing, lightning fast way. Uh, and again, like James Wan knows how to move a camera around. We, he, he proved his ability to direct an action scene in Aquaman, honestly, which has some of the best superhero action outside of Shang-Chi. And, uh, it's just a brilliant little set piece, not just, uh, you know, for the action and the choreography, but because it genuinely is just disturbing to watch in a way that I think a lot of, uh, action horror does, uh, fail to fully achieve. And it's, I think it's, I think it's edited together really nicely in so much as like, I just thought there was a lot of momentum going right into that scene. Like, I think, cause I think it transitions to that very nicely from when we get the reveal on the video, you know, when you get yes, the reveal on yes, the video, yes. I'm just like, oh my God, I, I was just like so hyped. Just like, to, like, I, I wasn't even so much grossed out. I, I think I might've like, and I don't think I laughed out loud because I was trying to be considerate. There wasn't that many people in my theater and a lot, let, well, I'm not even, I wasn't even kidding when I texted you after that. Like literally like there's probably like 15 people in my theater and like probably 10 of them had left by the end. And I'm like, I feel like this is a pretty crazy movie, but like, I don't know why, what you thought you were signing up for people. Uh, anyway, I I, I couldn't understand. You see that, you know, uh, that, uh, very wonderful practical effect, by the way, uh, her brother, you know, stuck in her back in that home video. And it's, it's, it's fucking disturbing. Right. So it's like, it's just like, yeah. And I, and I was like, I was just like smiling, you know, I was like, no, I was grinning like a man. Exactly. you had the same fist up in the air. I was like, the same yeah, reaction this is the me, kind of lunacy that I have always wanted to see in a theater. Right, because I think I would have laughed if it was bad. You know what I mean? Like, I would have laughed out loud if I thought it was done in, like, a poor if, – if it was, like, a gross, in a poorly executed way. I would have just, like, kind of laughed. And instead I was like, they pulled this off, and I was just grinning. So I was like, yes. grinning, and I was kind of giddy. Even though, like I said, I've said multiple times already, horror movies just aren't typically my kind of thing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, weird and incredibly executed in such a way that I can only just, like, tip my cap. And I'm grinning. And that and that was just the video. And then from there, like, it like goes straight back to the prison cell, I'm pretty sure. You've already – you watched it again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was, cut, it, it's cut in between. Like, you know, you get the scenes of the explanation mm-hmm. for what exactly gabriel is right that's intercut that, yeah um, yeah and it's intercut with her in the jail cell finally like being taken over we see her being taken over by gabriel and you get the reactions of all the women in the cell who had previously been beating her up i should stress here that for me the most ridiculous element of this very ridiculous movie is the fact that she was in a drunk tank for like 10 minutes 
and like you know a co- like a collage of like all the like 80s villain stereotypes like a biker chick and like a like a 70s like you know uh pam, pam Bridget, off, yeah, yeah. like team up to kick the crap out of her for no reason Absolutely. What's also weird is that they made her try and like they tried to dress her up in that scene and make her like she seemed that she's made out to be some kind of blue collar worker in that first scene where she uh, comes back to, with her husband where she's like wearing some kind of uniform. It's implied that yeah, she's, she's a nurse. Like a yeah, she's like a nurse or, or some works in a hospital. Something, or something like that. And then they just like they try and make her look very hoity toity for that scene. So those women will have a reason to beat her up. Exactly. It doesn't make much. It doesn't make much sense. But whatever. You know that. Again, we're riffing. We're we're in the realm of riffing off of like the pulpy, campy stuff uh, from back in the day. So it works out, and like you get this beautiful reaction shots of everyone just going, "What the fuck is going on?" And uh, it, you know, it it just blends together beautifully. Yeah. So uh, again, that that yeah, that was just like the the point I wanted to make on that, and so much as like. I, I just felt some kind of rush after that, even after the video, which I was which already just like made me smile for like how beautifully gross it was. Uh, the other thing, a point I want to make about that reveal, because I mean, I don't even know if you actually answered my question. That I kept asking you about how surprised you were. I, I was expecting it to be something where it was like just the way I felt like it was setting it up. Was this going to be like and it would have been like way too predictable, I guess. But like I just this was so bizarre. I couldn't predict it myself. But I, what we got was so bizarre, I couldn't predict it myself. But I just thought, oh, she's just gonna like have ended up being in like a mental hospital or something. That was the twist I saw in my head. Was like she was gonna have imagined it all. That was where I thought it was going. So that's why I was so glad that what they ultimately showed us, because it made it made everything make sense from a more literal perspective as to like how these kills kept happening, despite the fact that like I thought we 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 were being shown like you know some like thing that like some like shadowy figure of gabriel that kept coming in and out and i thought they did a great job of yada yaying like the explanation in a way that didn't bother me where it's like oh he controls her mind and she just she just sees what he wants her to see i was like okay fine i I was just able to accept that and they didn't like try and give me too scientific of an explanation too supernatural you can imagine a world where like you know if this was a uh uh movie where you'd get like a break full breakdown of exactly how this all works you don't need it. You don't need it. Um, no, as, as long as I know that this thing can, can is in her head and can control what she's seeing, that was enough for me. And it kind of like made everything click into place. And that's what I respected so much about it was that it like it, it wasn't like it glossed over something that felt like that felt like it needed more explanation. It was like the perfect amount of explanation that answered all of the questions I already had. Absolutely. As to whether or not I expected it, look, I expected her to be in the culprit in some way i thought it would be like you know she's being possessed i thought that maybe she uh you know had just developed like multiple personalities or something like it seemed pretty clear that like she was going to be the culprit in some way shape or form i did not expect it to become a horror martial arts flick by way of basket case uh that's not what i expected at all uh in execution it transcended all my expectations man yeah it was absolutely brilliant um what about the one thing we didn't talk about i guess we talked about the the a lot of the police people get uh, we talked about a lot of the precinct getting murdered but uh, we didn't talk about those cops specifically i know they were in in some ways like you know uh, the, the, the woman cop was, I mean, kind of the stereotypical no nonsense cop. that's just like there to be skeptical and all that. And then there's, you know, the 
hotshot young cop who may or may not have some kind of crush on Maddie's sister, and he's he, he's like, you know, there to kind of try to do the heroic stuff. Uh, I mean, I guess they were kind of, and to a certain extent, they were like stock characters that like played the part they were supposed to play. Did you have any feelings on like how they were used? Because they're, they're they're like kind of the one characters we hadn't talked about yet. Because if nothing else, I thought that like I I, I kind of like, one thing I thought was cool beyond the execution of it was that I actually kind of liked when we ended up going on that chase scene. Uh, we didn't really talk that much about this Seattle setting yet, where it keeps talking about these like these underground cities and all that, where you know. And I don't think it's ever totally clear on just how much the underground cities are, um, are Gabriel's like um, h- how how much Gabriel is utilizing them versus that versus that attic because we we see that we see the um, Serena uh, who again that's the biological mother we see her tied up in what we think is maybe part of this underground area but it's really just that attic so I don't I'm really not know lie. But, that I did that that I did see coming oh the biological mom thing. No, no, no. Uh, the fact that she was in the attic and not the underground. Something about like I was just like I, I saw. I, I don't know. It looked it like was. there was like a window or something, I guess. But like, yeah, there was I, like a big fan, and I was like, I don't know. This feels like it's gonna be like revealed that this is actually actually Maddie's house. I just oh wow, it, that that, so. that was that's a good call by you. But like, regardless, it was pretty cool how they like. I mean, this isn't like the. I mean, I guess this actually was a fairly high budget movie for what Juan probably normally does, forty million dollars. But like, you know, they. Like that chase through the under the, the tombs of Seattle was like very cool. And I, I had the thought before because that's before we really knew what Gabriel was. I was I kind of thought it was cool. It's like I'd seen enough of this cop that it's like, all right, like I'm all right with this dude. He seems fine. Like I, it, it wasn't like a bad character. I'm like, it's kind of cool that like we know him enough to like go down what feels like an incredible digression with a character that hadn't been like that important yet. So I kind of as I was watching it, I was like. I kind of think it's cool that the movie in some ways is like going off the rails to follow this guy. And I was like, all right, well, I, I like that. Like they, they established him enough that it made sense to do this. And it looks really cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't take away that much of an impression from those cop characters. You know, they were there right. to serve their purpose uh, in all these sorts of Giallo movies. you got like, you know, the protagonist desperately trying to prove, you know, her innocence or figure out what's going on. Meanwhile, she's faced with like this sort of roadblock. And usually that comes in the form of police. And uh, yeah, this, that's what they served here. You know, good performances. I think all around, everybody kind of knew the kind of movie that they were trying to do. And, uh, you know, they you know successfully played those parts out. But yeah, the chase sequence itself, like I had said earlier, is brilliant because, like you know, you get to get a, a glimpse, your first full glimpse at the killer and, you know, how they move. And, uh, you know, it's very disconcerting, uh, you, you, you know, watching this, this figure, like, you know, drop down, like a set of stairs, uh, like with a fire escape, set of fire escape stairs, one level at a time, yeah. one level at a time. Uh, it, it, it's, it's weird to watch. It's weird to watch, uh, watching how it even just, uh, at one point he kicks a hole in a wall and then crawls through the hole in like a very horror movie aesthetic way. Like it, 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 it's, it was a good chase sequence. Yes. I just thought it was well executed and wanted to, wanted to shout that out. And I thought it was like a, you know, there would have been a way in which I would have cared less about it if they hadn't done anything with that character. And they'd at least like done something with him, which I, which I kind of respected. Uh, did you have right. any thoughts on, uh, I guess the, like the, I guess the ending and, Again, like I said, I didn't need them to over explain the science of this too much or uh, the mechanics of how 
uh, Gabriel had been controlling her. But I was curious what you thought when, like, we actually see at the very end how she's able to, quote, lock him up. Did you feel like you needed any more of an explanation for how she was able to, like, regain control just like that? Or was it like, oh, no, like, I, it kind of makes sense that she came to that realization. Nope, I didn't need any more explanation. Yeah, yeah I was like, yeah, I, I was like, oh, okay. I, I kind of, it's one of those things, like, once the reveal happens, you kind of, you kind of see where it's going. You know, she's, this isn't the kind of movie where, like, he's going to just win. Um, You know, so, yeah, she's going to take control of her body, and she's going to realize that, you know, even though she wanted kids so badly, she really had family all this time. Like, you know, yeah, you kind of, you kind of see how, where it's going. Uh, You get a nice little, <laughs> just before the, the resolution, you get, like, this moment where um, uh, a cop or a security guard or something has his fucking heart explode. His pacemaker. The pacemaker. Um, and it's it's genuinely, like, very it's brilliant. It's inspired. You didn't even really need it. You didn't even really need it. It just clearly was just like, that's a good idea. That would be a good thing to have in that movie. And, well, yeah, they put it in, and it's great. Well, I, one thing I liked at the very end was that they – I liked the tease of that light bulb and them, them, not, them not actually flickering it. Just like I, I kind of like that they you get the sound it. of it maybe turning on. Like, I mean, if they do Malignant 2, you know I'm going to be there opening night. I mean, I know you're going to be there, but like, how, did you give any thought to what the aftermath of this plot would be? Like, is she going to jail anyway? Or is, is I, there... I, on, I honestly don't know. Honestly, I was half expecting us to get a stinger where she joins the Avengers or she joins uh <laughs> she joins up with like the uh the Fast Nine crew or something. This is like, yeah, this is this is Universal, right? No, 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 it's oh, WB. Oh. This is WB. Oh, it's Warner's. Yeah, she could have uh she could have met up with the Justice League, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, she's gonna <laughs> be in Justice League Dark next. Who knows? This could, this is this well, this would be like uh Warner's answer to universal doing the the thing for m night with uh split and unbreakable you know exactly honestly like i was having a, a backdoor like, when once this movie ended i my friends were about to get up and leave and i was like wait who owns the right to split who owns the right to split because i'm have uh, i should clarify here that at the end of the movie the sister is trapped underneath like a big hospital bed and after uh maddie finally locks away gabriel in her mind she goes to lift off the thing uh off her sister and her sister like it's too heavy and she's like gabriel was able to do these feats of strength and it but it was always my body so i should be able to too and then she just lifts it like nothing um which it's so i guess she's a superhero now also you know what i'm into it i'm into it like this is the kind of crazy like off the rails actually i'm actually I have an interview with um, James Wan in front of me right now where he says that even though he references Argento, he doesn't necessarily reference classics like Deep Red or Suspiria. Uh, he says he I'd reference more like Trauma, Phenomena, Tenabra, some of those later ones, just because they've got more and more out there, if you will, for lack of a better description. And I felt that's in the spirit of this. And that's absolutely true. Um, honestly, I don't remember Tenabra, but I remember Phenomena. And that's a movie which, you know, it's good up until the third act. But then the third act kicks in and it gets super crazy. The same could be said for uh, Demons, which was directed by Mario Bava's son. Uh, these are all movies that like they save the best for last. And then it goes completely off the rail. They throw every single idea they have uh, into the script and like it, it just works together, comes together beautifully. This one. Yeah, this one all went off the rails in a pretty 
I'd say a beautiful way as well. Though I think she is in jail. I think maybe the answer for milling it too is that like they need to get her out of jail because Gabriel's the only one that can save the day somehow. Maybe <laughs> maybe maybe for some reason Gabriel has a grudge against whoever the actual bad guy is, and Gabriel is now good. I don't. Yeah, know. it'll be it'll be Gabriel teaming up with Constantine. Yeah, I just don't know how she doesn't. I, I just don't know how she doesn't end up in jail. You know. I, well, I, now I, they have evidence of uh, you know, Gabriel's existence. They have the videotapes and everything. True, true. Uh, you, you just referenced uh, uh, or you just referenced those other couple of movies. Do you have anything else you want to plug while we uh, before we get out? Because you kind of name dropped a lot of things already. But anything else? Yeah, you know, like I like I said, if anyone likes this, they should go search out some uh, some of that classic Giallo stuff. Off the top of my head, honestly, the best example of giallo would be blood and black lace straight down the middle all the elements that you need for a giallo very little else but it's all executed very well you've got plenty of like 80s 90s horror rawhead racks demon wind uh demons basket case the suckling um all these grimy dirty horror movies which also uh james wan specifically called out he mentions uh, in this interview talking about when he would go to the videos uh, the best way i would describe malignant is growing up in the late 80s and 90s when i go to the video store i go all the way to the back to the horror section because that's where they usually kept the horror section they were too embarrassed to have it up front and then once in that section i would venture even deeper into the horror section to the back shelves and take down a video cover that i've never seen before but the cover was so cool i don't know what that movie is that is how i would describe malignant malignant is that movie that i would take from the back shelves so, yeah, Basket Case, uh, Brawhead Racks, Demon Winds, Demons, The House by the Cemetery. This was a movie playing to the back of the audience, and that audience was horror fans. Plenty of this stuff can be found on YouTube, honestly. Just go look, go on Letterboxd or something, browse through some horror movies, look at the stuff that pretty much nobody has seen, and you'll find it on YouTube, man. Yeah, again, I haven't watched a lot of these same old horror things Maybe I will at some point. I still don't know if it's totally my thing, though. I I, I really did enjoy this. Like, you know, the, the killing of, like, a, a group of people that shared something in common from the past. Like, that's that's kind of, like, the one thing that even felt familiar to me. But, like, you know, it, it, it all makes sense. And they, they, they set up that plot so well anyway. And, like, in the way they were able to kind of backdoor it in, it, it all it all tracks. And it, it all works really well. So I think, like, you know, if you if you did watch this and you like the way this was set up, I bet you're going to enjoy like a lot of the things Daniel talked about and a lot of the maybe like even more mainstream stuff that it draws from is based on. And like, you know, you know, the theaters aren't crowded again yet. Like I'm hoping they start getting crowded and we get to where we need to go with COVID. I do kind of like miss that I didn't watch this in a more crowded theater with like the right kind of crowd. I, and that's a point that I've like forgotten to touch on with a lot of things I've like. I've like meant to like I've like made a mental note with like every podcast for the last few months to like, you know, because some of them are things where my guests just watch them right on HBO Max like people can do with this one or ones. But I've been seeing stuff in theaters for the last six months. And it's like I've kind of meant to like ask more about that distinction with people like, oh, how did you watch it? Did you miss something out? Do you miss out on something by not seeing it in the theater? And, you know, for this one, like. I think I, I saw it at theater and I'm glad I did, but I feel like I, I feel like I, I'm I've been robbed of something by not getting to see this with like a full crowd. And, you know, maybe that'll like affect my motivation to go back and watch the old horror stuff since I'm like doing it by myself. Whereas like I kinda wanna have that experience seeing something as gonzo as malignant with a crowd. But that mm-hmm. being said, it's fun even with a crowd and I think you'll respect it even if you're just watching on Max. I don't really have a whole lot to plug because I doing this like right after we did the Shang Chi pod and it's like one of only two movies I've seen since then. I didn't particularly like the other one. We'll say we're a few weeks away from me doing 
a pod on No Time to Die, which I think Daniel might be joining for. I'm starting to rewatch the Daniel Craig Bond movies in advance of that. I watch Casino Royale. It is great. I'm not so much looking forward to Quantum of Solace, though that seems like something Daniel might like just because, like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I prefer th- I prefer that one. To yeah, that that doesn't shock me. Uh, and then and then I'm so I'm working my way through that stuff. I think like two of the four uh, Craig ones are on on are, are already like are on some of the more common streaming services. I had to rent Casino Royale, but Casino Royale still is great. So you know, uh, No Time to Die kind of snuck up on me for some reason. I thought it was like later, but that's gonna be like within the first uh, half of October. So. Uh, Everyone do your homework on that if you need to, since it's been so long since we've had a Bond movie because of all these pushbacks and whatnot. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about that one. And uh, coming up next, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I'm uh, in the middle of some scheduling, but I, so I, I've been referencing a few other movies, but yeah, it just depends on how things come together. But as usual, we'll be back next week. Daniel, do you want to plug your letterbox or anything like that? Uh, sure. You know, my letterbox is uh, Felonious Funk. Um, you know, it's two Fs, Felonious Funk. All right. As usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on Twitter and Letterboxd. The podcast Twitter is at RewindMoviePod. The podcast email is TheRewindMoviePod at gmail.com. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Thanks again to Daniel for joining, and we will see you next time.